It's lovely. It's lovely to do this today. We we my wife and I co-hosted a Zoom birthday party for my middle son today, so I've reached peak lockdown now. That is peak lockdown. That's amazing. Hello and welcome back for episode two of season two of the PR Hub podcast. We've got a really exciting episode for you today as John and I interview John Brown, founder of agency Don't Cry Wolf, um, a big personality and a man with a huge number of views on the state of PR, on PR during lockdown, but also around uh, whether we should cut the bullshit that stands within our industry and before we say too many times we need to say that there's there's a few swears in this interview and we've taken the decision to leave them in so that it's a more authentic experience is that right john yeah i think basically we bleep those two bullets that'll be the third one and then from here on out um uh, you know it'll be explicit as you like um hello by the way uh, everybody um so yeah um we've got a we, we have got a great show uh, today um, we answer also, um, or we read through uh, your response to our question on Twitter about uh, tips for um, crisis communication strategy. So thank you very much uh, for those of you who got in touch. And uh, yeah, I think, um, well, without any further delay, I think we'll get on to our interview with John Brown. John, you, you created... Don't cry, Wolf, to cut through all the PR bullshit. How much of a problem is bullshit in PR? It's become less of a problem, I think. Um, I think there's still, but but there's 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 a, a deep enough amount of it for us to kind of still have to wade through it uh, fairly fairly regularly. I guess, like you know, the when I when I talked about you know cutting through PR bullshit, it was everything from you know how results are presented mm-hmm. which i think is a fairly kind of well-trodden path and, and and conversation but also through to sort of actually the honest conversation that people should be having with clients right at the beginning of anything any any kind of pr or comms relationship which is you know very much still rooted in you know we will kind of fudge an hours sheet and say to you that you know that's how much our time is worth and you'll buy it and we'll have this very kind of transactional sort of relationship um and i just think that that's that that needs to be over and done with and also this idea that pr agencies or just prs as a whole kind of turn up to any challenge any brand challenge and the answer is always pr well i mean it can't be right like (laughs) You know, it's, like PR doesn't solve everything by any stretch of the imagination. So, I think that was that was our approach, which was just to turn up with without any answers actually, and to just listen and ask, and then we might find that actually giving more media relations to a client is not what they need. They need yeah. you know a brand strategy. They need to go away and have a long hard look at themselves first. Um, they need something completely different. They need to be focused, you know, entirely on Instagram and forget everything else. Or they need to pay. You know, they need to actually spend some money on advertising. Like, you know, we 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 had clients come up to us right at the beginning and they were like, "Hey, do you know what, John? We're, what we you know what we'd love is to get another sort of seventeen thousand downloads of our of our app. Well, then go and fucking buy them. <laughs> you know, like that that'd be much easier. Like, my you know one Daily Mirror article is not going to generate that. So, yeah. you know, go and buy it. 
like it'll be cheaper for you. So I think that's that. That's the kind of that's where I want the conversation to get to. And whilst I use terrible language and I'm fairly flippant about it, I actually think that that elevates us into a world where we operate at much more of a kind of consultancy management sort of senior board level than if we were just to have that same conversation time and time again around you know fairly transactional and useless stuff so you want to build an agency that's that's honest open but is willing to to challenge rather than go along with the with the status quo a hundred percent because you have to so i think you know for some reason we shy away from healthy conflict in our industry and i don't know why because i think Mm. it's it's such a it's such an important principle of establishing trust and creating a healthy relationship is by there being a good level of healthy conflict and i don't just mean sort of you know being an arsehole for the sake of it but but actually having the courage and the belief that the other side is not going to get offended or uh treat you negatively if you say what you genuinely believe to be the right thing to do and and i think that's that is lost in a lot of these um relationships these client agency relationships and it's something that I, we, we passionately believe in and then as you started don't cry wolf don't cry wolf you've you you've built it up on these foundations of wanting to be a good agency both in terms of the work that you deliver but also in your your impact on the world the environment and uh, and charity what why why have you approached the business in that sense and and promoting it in such an overt way because i think that's how businesses are should evolve to well Mm. that's not even a coherent sentence (laughs) i think that's that that that, that's the future of how businesses should operate so i think that the the current climate sort of environmental climate societal climate um dictates that there is a gap being not being fulfilled by you know honest government not being fulfilled by public service that actually society and the private sector needs to fulfill and needs to fill and i think that is a, a duty for any entrepreneur or well, and or anyone even sort of remotely considering starting an organization right now is that they should be laser focused on the triple bottom line so yes you can earn a profit you know we're not a charity we turn we 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 do turn a profit um and we want to we pay our staff well and we give promotions and pay rises and everyone enjoys the spoils of 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 working in a good business but that does not come at the expense of planet and does not come at the expense of people and we monitor and measure that on that triple bottom line and i think that is the gap that exists in society that society has to actually fill itself because no one's going to do it for us Mm. so i think whilst we may be you know one of a handful of uh, agencies that have kind of put it front and center of our brand philosophy i think more will and any new organization should this should just be par for the course now yeah i think it's incredibly refreshing that you're willing to shine a light on on yourselves and the work that you do so in preparation for the pod john and i were reading your your report from last year um where where you you've really critically analyzed your business and and found and gone after fault so identifying issues around um 
you know, l- looking at uh, equality within within the business, diversity, which is a massive topic, obviously, for, for PRs, thinking about not just being London-centric in what you do, thinking about uh, focusing on LGBTQ+, etc. There's lots of stuff that you seem incredibly open, and it's lovely to see that you're not just standing up for something, but you're challenging and investigating yourselves as well in terms of are you delivering on, on what you say? How have you... I was just going to say, how, how, how do you build that mindset around the whole agency rather than something that's just close to your heart? Um, I think it's, it's tough to separate the two early on, especially when it, like, you know, I started on my own in, in, in my spare bedroom. So, you know, the agency, you can't get away from the fact it's a manifestation of what mm. I wanted to, to, to create. But what's super encouraging is that very early on, I found other people who believed in the philosophy and actually took it to whole new levels which i never thought we could really attain and really kind of supported this idea of kind of um sort of the brutal transparency this kind of total honest approach um and actually early on it's quite it's quite terrifying it's not you know you don't want to showcase to essentially competitors or anything like that what your faults and weaknesses are yeah um but once you've done it it's tremendously reward it's actually very cathartic because you're like you know it's a bit kind of well like this is what we are kind of warts and all and you know we're actually about to release our staff survey which just which really does give um sarah and i my md um a a real kicking in certain areas Mm. you know around consistency of processes and stuff like that and we're you know we're about to kind of make our staff survey public like publish it like the, the actual specific comments will be anonymized just to you know, not keep it from being personalized, but it's just, and and that's actually, you know, I'm, I'm getting the fear again, which is a good thing, right? And it might backfire or it might not, but um, it's important to us that we keep pushing that boundary because I think the more that we can do in that area, um, the more we believe as though we're genuinely following a philosophy. And I think the more we'll inspire others to, to, to do the same. Um and I guess, the, you know, to answer your question around how do you instill that, I talk about the fact that we're not building an agency, we're building a brand. We're, we're like, we are creating a brand, not an agency, not a PR firm or anything like that. We're creating a brand that it's actually written on our sort of internal manifesto that we want a, to create something that people want to have tattooed on their face. You know, they want our, we want our clients to just sort of, and, and anyone who works with us to kind of scream from the rafters that they're, that they're in our world and i think that is what sort of drives us you said about the uh, the staff survey i think that's that's brave of any company to 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 publish um a staff survey put it you know into in, into the sort of public realm um but there's what 10 10 of you in the agency as well that's going to be brave to even put in a, a, a you know a private staff survey that you don't you know publish to sort of have that sort of courage to ask you know your your, your handful of staff you know, what they think of the agency and how it can be improved. That's that's a brave step by itself, let alone taking it uh, t- taking it sort of um, uh, public. Um, creating the agency um, or creating the brand, um, did you feel like you had to do that next step uh, in order to instill some of those um, cultural changes you wanted within the industry? Um, Basically, because agent, the agencies you were at, the big agencies you were at, you know, they're, they're basically like oil tankers. You're moving too slowly, um, or perhaps you know, they 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 
weren't open to those sorts of um, cultural shifts, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I was, I was very lucky to work at agencies, you know, who, which were big agencies uh, or are still big agencies um, that uh, definitely kind of believed in the philosophy. But I think your observation around sort of the oil tanker side of things is is, is, is the right one to make. You know, that you I'm a deeply impatient person. And and so to to sort of get to where I wanted to get to and it needed to be quick and I needed to see reward quickly and and what have you and um so 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 I think yeah the 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 idea of agility when we started on when I started on my own was absolutely paramount like and and the idea of testing and testing and testing and testing like we're going to throw this out there and uh we could get egg on our face or we might not or it might just open up a whole new other conversation I think that that was tremendously important to me and now to the team, which is constantly looking at, well, rather than just sit there and analyze for, for a year as to what might happen, let's make sure that we're not doing anything too rash, too ridiculous, but let's get it out there and see, see, see what the response is. I mean, I think it's one thing um, also then um, um, not resting on your laurels. I mean, the fact is that you've already won an award, I mean, shortlisted for big awards as well. Um, so how did that feel, uh, you know, within, what, a, a year or two of establishing uh, Don't Cry Wolf? You were sitting there with a PR Week um, Best New Consultancy Award. Uh, well, I wasn't sat there at all. I didn't even turn up. Not, not, <laughs> not That sounds arrogant. But, um, I wasn't there. Like, uh, Sarah and, um, and Harriet went and um, uh, collected the award. I was, in the, I was in the back of a taxi heading home, actually, um, from, from, from something else. But, I mean, like, like it felt tremendous and actually i was always fairly cynical about awards because you know i'm a grumpy little bugger sometimes so i was always fairly cynical about it and you know and then you're you're only cynical until you win one and then it's the best thing ever right so i, I, I you know when i when we heard that we had won and you know i got i got the call and stuff i was delighted um because I thought, well, actually, you know, they really mainly because I thought, well, they ha- actually genuinely have recognised um, a new agency rather than just another agency that happens to be new. If that's just done sense. a spin-off, yeah, it's yeah. just done a spin-off or supported by X, Y, or Z, yeah, exactly. And I and I think that that's where I got a real encouragement from. But that was nothing compared to when we just, you know, we just won um, uh, best place to work in the PR week as well um, for this year uh and like we got the you know we got the gold award for best place to work and that really meant something because that was like okay well shit this is you know not only we're doing you know okay work and we seem to be earning money and stuff like that but actually people genuinely think that we've created something really quite special um and then the first thing that we did off of um winning the that award is that we'd now completely ripped apart our uh benefits scheme and what what we're going to be doing around mental health and instigated a whole new action plan around how we're going to change things because we're terrified of being really comfortable mm. so but that and that's one day going to bite me right in the ass because i'll have changed something and messed around with something that just should not have been buggered about with we're trying to go through an entire episode without using the phrase new normal how have, how have you found your team adapt to a new way of working uh, since the lockdown started? 
they've done a tremendous job of bringing their full selves to the situation. Yeah. So some some people have you know dealt with it well, really well. Some people have dealt with it really badly, and we and they've actually built their own kind of little support network of how that's kind of addressed. So every morning, you know, nine a.m. There's a there's a group call that anyone can join. There'll be there's usually a few people on there, or usually the whole team. And we're just kind of, you know, I tend to moan about things like my children and you know, <laughs> my my ballooning weight and stuff like that. And 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 others will talk about a couple a client thing. And Sarah and I might very briefly kind of talk about something business related or so. But it's a it's a sort of opportunity to kind of vent and then and then. You know, they they kind of put in place things like a little pub quiz that they did, and they did some good stuff to keep us keep us going. But and this is the big but, right? We are through the honeymoon period now, so yes, we adapted really well. We we're always geared up to do something like this, anyways. You know, everything we we had Slack in place already. We we're already yeah. on Zoom. We we're already on Asana. All that type of jazz. But the honeymoon period's over. Like, actually, we are craving a little bit of us time together. And one of the things where I think it immediately suffers is is around serendipity. You know, the the if someone barks out something across the room, and you think actually shit, that's a really good nub of a creative idea, and then that snowballs into a new campaign, we're missing that because that you can't schedule on a Zoom call. Um, so we're trying to really work out a way in which we can make we can kind of put aside some time or some opportunity for, for that to take place. And, and, you know, this, this sort of the shine of sitting at home all day is, has kind of come off now. So I think we're, um, we, we're never going to go back to the way things were ever, but um, I think we're certainly going to not go full leap. If you like, like I don't expect we're going to suddenly become a totally virtual agency. You know, we'll find some kind of hybrid or middle ground. You said about um, you know adapting to. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say that 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 phrase. Uh, but the the current situation. Um, you, yourself and your wife co-founded uh, yeah. the company. She's CFO um, of uh, of Don't Cry Wolf. How yeah. difficult has it been in a remote working environment to to switch off the the sort of the, the working day when. You know, you you are in a marital relationship as well as a business relationship. What's that been like? Um, it's not that that's not been a problem actually, really. Um, I mean, what Lois does it uh, is beyond my capabilities, uh, and I'm not just saying this to try and you know sound like oh look, it's another husband worshiping his wife. In case she listens. <laughs> yeah, but in case, yeah, exactly. In case she listens, or you know, I'll have one like virtue signaling how much of a feminist I am, or something like that. But genuinely i am sat here thinking fuck, i have no idea how she's managed to achieve what she's done which is kind of do 99 percent of the kind of the, the the homeschooling as well as help me out when i've needed the kind of financial rigor that she brings to things so we've kind of got that into a good balance i think and you know i took time off to make sure that i could contribute and what have you but yeah, she's 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 kind of managed that and orchestrated that really well. But actually, this kind of obsession with uh, you know, if you're if you're in in business with your wife, sp- find some time to talk about something else. Do you know what we we both quite like this business. 
you know, sat down in an evening with a few glasses of wine and chatting about the next big thing which we're going to do or what we reckon around this. or ha- I don't have a problem with that. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, yeah, we'll just, you know, stick on Modern Family and ignore each other for, for a couple of hours. But sometimes we'll sit there, we'll crack open a bottle and we'll, 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 we'll chew out the latest business stuff. And, and I think that's quite good. You know, so as long as you're not kind of too worried about putting these parameters around it, I think you can get through this type of stuff quite, quite nicely. We're going to enter a difficult economic phase when we come out the back of uh, this lockdown. Um, do you think that's a big opportunity for, for, for smaller agencies with, uh, with big business or big brands looking to, to, to cut costs but still keep the quality of the, the PR support that they get? Do you, are, you, are you excited about the future as a result of that or, or does it fill you with slight nervousness and anxiety? Um, I think it is going to, I think it is a lot of bluster hearing a lot of people go, this is the moment for small agencies, right? I, I, I just don't, I actually think that's a, a lot of bollocks because to be honest with you, I can't handle Accenture's, you know, PR account across the UK, let alone across <laughs> the world yeah you know what i mean yeah, so i'm not yeah. I'm suddenly going to be able to dive in there and go hey you know what you were paying edelman just go you know hard i'll, do, we'll, I'll do that we'll, on a monday yeah, yeah you know, so, so so i think there's kind of a lot of you know big state sweeping statements being made i don't you know that those reductions in budgets and those kind of shifts is, is probably gonna on, on, a, on a sort of big scale it's probably going to happen with the current crowd of big agencies and and amongst their big clients it's not going to suddenly you know there's not going to be a waterfall of new opportunities come from me come 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 to me what i do think will happen is that we as a small agency are already looking at the new way of delivering work ready for basically july to be honest with you so come july we are you know we're looking at new new products new approaches you know we're investing in heavily in things like sort of software and new skill sets into the team because we think that there's going to be a dynamic shift into a new way of working where actually media relations will take a different sort of edge to it and you know content marketing will increase um film video sort of you know all that side of things is is areas for us to focus on and that is where i think small agencies will have an advantage are the ones that are kind of agile enough to sort of spot that move really quickly and develop kind of different sort of skill sets and product areas but no you know i think we're all going to go through a really shit period as well like you know we'll we'll definitely end up having some tough conversations with clients the same way as big big agencies will you know it's going to it's going to affect everyone so i don't yeah so i don't buy into the whole it's our time and we're going to nick all of this work off of off of the big guns We're, we're we're just not sure and you need to plan your business accordingly how do how do you approach new business acquisition as as the founder of an agency clearly you've got a vision and a a a, a mission to build an agency with a certain philosophy and naturally that appeals to a certain type of personality that you attract to to work for you but what what's your view on the the type of people that you want to work with in terms of businesses what's the crux between you needing to pay salaries and needing to support people to pay their mortgages whilst also uh, picking the right sort of um, clients that will actually see you as a partner rather than a service deliverer. So I think, you know, there is no difference in terms of the way that we approach how we want to attract talent and how we want to attract clients. So we don't, 
uh, invest in sort of big new business strategies the most that i think that we've ever spent is when we went and you know very arrogantly sponsored can lion last year just purely out of just kind of you know <laughs> a bit of a fuck you to everyone if we can do it you can um you know, so, so don't and, believe but, in awards but but sponsor can lion yeah but we'll sponsor can lion you know and it was a, it was a proper sort of two fingers um yeah exactly um and, and and you know and that felt good but it's not that wasn't a kind of new business generator in this in, in the slightest so what you know what we are completely focused on is how every day do we communicate the actual authentic personality of who we are as an agency yeah. and then how do we make sure that the work that we produce has don't cry wolf identity i i, I want to have something where we actually perhaps you know either offend or put or offend or put off 98 percent of the market but the two percent that want to work with us absolutely really want to work with you they are just bought into our approach and the type of work that they're going to get and our philosophy and everything else and that's it that's me done yeah i'll take that i'll take that two percent that's that, that, that that's fine with me so investing in the brand the identity of the brand and how we communicate that kind of on a daily basis through our work and through what we say publicly is 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 our new business strategy you um you already said about the investment you're making uh in uh, to ready yourself for, for july um and it seems to me that it's obviously you guys are are, are very agile as, as an agency as well do you think that um we're agile as an industry and if you don't think we are um what needs to be put in place to enable us to be more um agile what a great question god yeah um hashtag reform well, journalist yeah i know brilliant <laughs> question um just so elegantly framed as well and by the way adam your questions have also been superb no it's fine so, whatever so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so no i don't think we're agile enough as an industry by any stretch of the imagination um and the problem is that we keep waiting, like waiting around for someone to be agile for us on our behalf. And, and, and that's just not, not going to happen, I think. So I think the biggest change that can happen within the industry is for a significant dose of accountability to take place amongst those that are within it. So I don't care whether you're a freelancer or, you know, an independent practitioner, an agency head or an in-house uh, head, of, head, head of PR you know, if you want to sort of affect change within this industry and to get it moving into a different direction, you have to change tomorrow yourself and, and start kind of aggressively going after that. You can't wait for the thing PRCA or the CIPR to suddenly do it for you. You know, that's yeah. just that's that's not going to take place or for some, you know, in, in, for some miracle to happen where everyone's, you know, everyone just wakes up tomorrow morning and realizes exactly what PR is and your interpretation of what PR is. And, and and suddenly starts kind of showering you in either praise or budgets or or, or or briefs. You know, that is the biggest threat facing our industry right now is this idea that someone else is going to do the work for us. Um, and, 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 and I think that's that, 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 that has to change. There really needs to be some accountability. It does seem like that sort of agility, that sort of step change 
uh, that sea change, um, you know, for the, for the industry to be more agile, needs to come from the bottom up. It's, it's, it, does, it will come from smaller agencies and, uh, you know, uh, sole practitioners and, and, and things like that, rather than, uh, and sort of force that change from the bottom up rather than, than, than from, you know, the established, the PRCAs, the, well, the CIPR sort of dictating this is what agile PR looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, if I see one more focus group or kind of, uh, you know, working paper as to, to try and define what PR is, I'll, I'll just start banging my head against them because it's just, you know, I don't care what PR means to Joe Bloggs over here. I care what people think about our work, like our actual output. And if they think it's edgy enough and that it's doing the right thing and that it's creating a stir and stuff like that, that's what I really care about. You know, if you, if that, if your interpretation of PR is something completely different, so fucking be it. I don't care. Cause if, if fundamentally, if I'm defining my own destiny by saying, this is the work that we produce, this is what it means. This is what it stands for. Then people will buy that irrespective of whether they think it's PR content marketing or fashion design, they'll buy it. I really like the fact that you started this interview talking about the fact that the answer isn't always PR. And I think that really ties into that, actually, having a healthy awareness of the fact that PR shouldn't be a silo. It shouldn't be the the go-to route for absolutely everything's really healthy. And I think that's a key issue that, that as an industry, we, we struggle with because we always want you know, we, we've got an identity crisis because we think people don't understand what we do. And it's just, well, just demonstrate what we do better and get a good un- get a good understanding of how actually um, we do have a role in this area. In this area, we supplement and, and work alongside this area, in this area and other things. We're not the right route. And so we need to be more public and honest about that because the answer isn't always PR. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, um sometimes whilst I'm, i totally buy into this kind of idea of like the common good and the collective and stuff like that you know sometimes you have to be quite individualistic in this sense and, and, and rather than worry about what we all stand for kind of spend some time working about what you stand for first and then what you want to portray first and because someone will want to buy that and they might and as i said i don't really care whether they consider it pr or not they just i just care that they want that and that we can give it to them Exactly. You're not going to build a successful agency if you're vanilla. So yeah. why should why should we try and make the discipline vanilla? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Why I, I hate this idea of let's just please everyone. I, I you know, well, as you can tell from Twitter feed or anything, or anything like that, you know, I spend a lot of time actively going against that and trying not to please any, everyone because I just I just don't think that's that's possible or likable or authentic. No, it does seem like authentic authenticity uh, is 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 a massive sort of deal for you as well. Definitely, and we are. And I think the proudest thing that I we've created within the agency is that we are. You would not you would not put us in a room together. Like we are an odd bunch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like we are a, a real odd bunch. You know, they're like just personality wise. Uh, kind of the way we approach different work, all that kind of jazz. It, you know, we are very different people, but we've got this kind of total belief in the in the purpose and the approach of the business, and that's what kind of unites us. It it, it seems to me like uh, so. I've been doing a lot of um, reading recently about you know metrics and measurements and things like that. 
um, to sort of show, you know, value um, to, to sort of C-suite and everything like that. And, you know, the, the whole idea of um, ROI can't be applied for, for PR for obvious reasons, thankfully. And, well, I'd like to think that ROI as a phrase leaves PR as quickly as, as the acronym AVE, quite frankly, yeah. uh, or damn sight faster, actually, because this AVE's been bloody slow in, in, in leaving. And I think, um, you know, the one that really stood out for me is about 14, 15 years old, and I was in a paper from 2006 about this idea of Romy, return on media impact. And to me, that sounds exactly what uh, Don't Cry Wolf is all about, is creating that impact in, in, in the media, and whether that is, you know, uh, content marketing, stunts, traditional PR, social influencer marketing, and all that sort of stuff. So would, would you sort of say that, you know, when it comes to convincing C-suite of the value of what you do, it comes down to media impact rather than a return on investment? So I wouldn't say it's media impact. I think that's an important distinction to make. I don't really, uh, the media for me is just the channel that, you know, we can potentially use or we might not. It's, it, it's around kind of audience impact and it's emotive impact is what I'm looking for. So at the, at the heart of all of our work, what we try and establish is what do we want people to feel after engaging with this, whether that's a tweet, uh, you know, a press release, you know, blog post, piece of film, whatever it might be. What is the emotion that we want to extract from the audience? Not necessarily, you know, not from the journalist or, you know, from from the influence or whoever it might be, but from the actual audience that we're trying to uh, approach. And I think we ha- we kind of are starting to sort of see ourselves a bit as a bit as a bit of a sort of activism style uh agency you know so we kind of we want to activate some sort of emotion reaction action from 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 the audience and i think that's what the that's the conversation which i have day in day out with our clients and we're we're super lucky that um almost all of our clients we report directly into the board at either at a cmo level or directly to the ceo level and we work with big clients it's not just because we work with you know three-person three businesses we work with big clients and we're we're capable of doing that because we've already established that we're not we don't care what the necessary impact is on the channel we care what the impact is with the person that's that they're trying to attract or talk to lovely how, how do you measure that so it's i think this, this is it there's no one measurement for that right so um you know if you take one of our campaigns um the let fanny fly campaign with lv you know, we we measured that on something as simple as awareness, which is, you know, obviously looking at everything from kind of readership figures and trying to be a bit more accurate around how many people you actually genuinely think have kind of potentially looked at this right the way through to, OK, who's talked positively about this, negatively about this, who signed a petition, who's got angry, sad, happy about this, who's then led, who, who's then kind of gone through that funnel and then got ended up on, you know, a couple of owned assets that LV's been um, been looking at how has that then d- led to potentially sales how's what's that impacted on you know stock in john lewis and stock in uh, you know in, in uh, on, on amazon and try to give a more kind of broader perspective um so i think that's you know there is no one measurement criteria obviously if someone wants to understand you know what's the, been the impact of this press release well it's either got that amount of coverage or it's got that amount of coverage you know really kind of it's sort of stops stops there mm. but then trying to understand well what has that led someone to do have they read something in the guardian tweeted about it got happy about it 
and asked five of their mates to sign a petition. Okay, that's that. There's there's some level of understanding into well to, in terms of what that emotive impact has been. And that's a lot more meaningful than to when you're reporting into C-suite as well. You know, that means a damn sight more than you know. Well, we had 23 pieces of coverage, and here's you know our potential readership, for instance. You know, that ta- that that does seem a, a lot more meaningful. Um, to to the guys who are signing uh, the paychecks, at, it's at... a lot easier to ask for more budget when you can say, "Well, we did sell your product out that month," so <laughs> that becomes a far easier conversation to be had. Yeah, yeah. and um, one, one by the way that we, as an industry, need to get much more com- comfortable with, which is, you know, yes, yeah, we need to, we need to educate clients in terms of emotional impact rather than just media impact, but also we need to be comfortable that sometimes we're going to have to have a discussion around you know figures and sometimes that might be a very difficult conversation it's it's easy for 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 prs to sit there complaining about the fact that it's sometimes difficult to demonstrate the impact of what we do but we quite like the fact that we can't demonstrate the impact of what we do if our campaigns are crap so actually actually we can't have it both ways we we can't you know want be be happy to, to hide behind poor campaigns and poor results if we also want to be taken seriously. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really important. And I think that's where there's this wider education piece. And as you say, reporting directly to the board really enables that. And I think if, if people are struggling to do that, then they really need to have some serious conversations with their, with their clients to work out how they can get that visibility and aim that and, and that understanding. Because if we are as an agency working against or rather than alongside digital marketing agencies, uh, content marketing agencies, other people doing other things that are able to demonstrate their value more than us, we just become susceptible to cuts. Absolutely. And and you suddenly start going down the pecking order, right? Because they're able to have a conversation that is, you know, a little bit more astute, a little bit more kind of at, at the level which it should be. And, and you're, you know, whinging about the fact that... Um, you know, John Wilcox didn't pick up his phone, so you weren't able to pitch to him. You adapt, you change. You say, right, look, okay, so this, this, you know, this selling's bombed. Here's the six other things that we reckon we can do right now. This is how we need to move into it. And it's, so long as you've established that, that trust and, as I said, that healthy conflict piece with, with your client, you usually find that they're able to then go, okay, right, let's adapt. What do we need? How do we work on this together? You know, there's, they'll give you a bit of a kicking if they need to, but, like, you should be able to take that on the chin and then and then adapt and move. But again, it comes back to agility. Yeah, yeah. Agility and honesty. Right? Agility and honesty. That's it. So you talked right at the outset about the fact that you thought you'd be working in your spare room for, for six months. Um, it's now been two, two and a half years. Um, what what does the future have in store? Where, where do you want the agency to be? How do you want it to develop? Right now... Uh, I'm really worried about the growth that we've had. <laughs> that sounds totally odd, but we've kind of like a rocket ship went from sort of, you know, I mean, like it's like silly numbers, like 300% growth and all this type of stuff, and we've just done really well. And actually, sometimes you can't. I kind of feel like you know, I'm, I'm sort of grabbing hold of that rocket and just hanging on by a sort of by a thread, and, and I, I'm hoping that you know we 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 get there. So for now, a huge focus for me is around establishing the fundamentals, really solidifying the foundations that we built and actually kind of defending our position. So what I don't want to do is consistently have to like talk about exponential growth whilst all, without sort of referencing the fact that we're also leaking everything out of the bottom end of the business as well. 
So for me, it's totally focused on establishing the right principles, the right practices, the right foundations, so that what we have created is here to stay for the long term. After that, you know, I have wild ambitions that will grow to, you know, becoming a, a kind of a, a good name within the industry that people respect for honesty and for integrity that has tried to do something different. And then at some stage, whoever is left working with Don't Cry Wolf, we all hold a little funeral for the brand, set fire to it, and we'll go get smashed. And that's it. And, that's, and, that, and, that, and that really is. And if we've all learned a bit of cash off the back end of it, fantastic. If we haven't and it's a failed experiment and in six months' time I'm looking for a job, then so be it. It's been, it's been a wicked ride. And... Um... My my sort of question there is, uh, you know, what sort of what sort of lessons have you learned through establishing uh, an agency? You know, you've you've you came from well-established agencies. Uh, I, I'm assuming this was your first uh, business venture that you started yourself. What sort yeah. of lessons um, would uh, have you have you learned over the last two and a half years? Oh, mate, I mean, like, uh, how little I knew about anything. Um, I, I mean. Christ, you know the, the amount of work that goes into kind of establishing um, principles and processes the fact that i fucking hate establishing processes um <laughs> you know uh, uh the, the huge weaknesses and flaws in my in, in my character so i'm very very good at kind of inspiring with a sort of big picture idea really really naff at actually laying out what needs to be done to reach that kind of that 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 goal so you know, learned very early on that I could definitely not do this on my own. So my first hire was the most senior hire in the business, which is the MD and making that my first goal was to surround myself with more senior, more intelligent, wonderful people so that they could bring their skills and expertise, uh, you know, learn an enormous amount around sniffing out what's a good brief and what's not, you know, what's a good person and what's not. Also understanding the fact that when you do raise your flag around, you know, sustainability principles or societal principles, you get a lot of shitheads turn up wanting to ride the wave of that and, uh, and, and, and use you as a PR agency or a comms consultancy because it makes them look good without any intention of them doing good things. Um, you know, so I think there's, you know, there's loads of stuff that, that I've learned. And I mean, Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute infant in this, uh, in in this industry so i've got a shed ton more to learn i mean uh we said at the top about the um uh the the brand the company's uh, ethos is to cut through the 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 sort of pr bullshit there's a lot of pr bullshit floating about westminster at the moment what's your take on the government at the moment i think they're doing a tremendous job of executing their comm strategy um because their comm strategy as far as i'm concerned is to uh, spot a fracture in society and to increase that fracture exponentially until you've got two very, very warring conflicting tribes that they can then argue on both sides that they, that they stand for either side of them. Um, and, uh, and they're doing a really smart job of it because people are sort of turning around and saying, Oh, look how stupid they're being. Look how daft their comms approach has been. I don't think it's daft in the slightest. I think it's unfortunately to a sinister level intelligent. And, um, uh, and we should be all incredibly alert to what 
the next 14 days really holds for us, which is that we are either as a society going to sit there and go, it's okay to lie to us now because actually what we what we value more than integrity and more than being treated like an adult in from a comms perspective is a pint in Weatherspoons and a wander around the JD Sports. Um, so you can lie to us in any way that you want. Um, as long as we've got that, as long as you keep kind of giving us a little chocky bicky every every couple of days and sort of a little a little lockdown treat, we're all right with how you treat us. Or we say enough's enough and actually we're not going to go the way of Trump America and we are not going to put up with this sort of communication style any longer. That's fair. If there wasn't a lockdown, I'm sure there'd be protests on uh, uh, on Parliament this very weekend, to be honest with you. Oh, I don't. I mean, John, I really don't know, mate. I, I, I honestly don't know. You know, I, I spend a uh, unreasonable amount of time prying into Facebook groups and Twitter conversations that are way outside of my filter bubble because I find it fascinating to understand what people's reaction is. And, you know, I, I still think that there is a fairly strong proportion of society that is still very angry very upset and willing to give this sort of populism a roll of the dice because it kind of fuels that fire mm. and so yeah whilst there might be a certain kind of proportion or section of society that may have stormed you know Westminster over this weekend if there wasn't if there wasn't um, a, a, a lockdown I think there's an equally equal size or even bigger proportion of society that is kind of uh, fighting against that and that is that is exactly the comm strategy that has been instigated for, for the past sort of three to five years um which is to keep making sure that that divide exists and i think the biggest fear that this government has right now from a comms perspective is that this coming scenario has actually provided some level of unification because the minute that happens their comm strategy falls apart the minute that that divide is crossed and you know i'm embracing a staunch brexiteer but and 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 in the same kind of sort of political environment saying no this is not acceptable then their comm strategy falls apart Sure, I think you say you're seeing that when you've got uh, what was it the um, the the Mail and uh, the Mirror sharing the same headline a couple of days ago. Yeah, that that well-known Ramona newspaper, the Daily Mail. Yeah, 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 and and I think that you know that that was that was the biggest error in all of this, which I think that they presumed that the fracture in society would see them through still, uh, and it hasn't. But we have a very short period of time to kind of unify and, yeah, and, 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 and sort of say that, that, that enough's enough. So, you know, I'm going out and if I wasn't socially distancing, I'd be hugging as many right wing Brexiteers as possible to try and build some sort of bridge and say, look, you know that this is wrong. I know that this is wrong. Let's put those sides of things to one side. Let's fix this which is this is being talked to in this way, being lied to in this way is not okay. We're not going to accept that. Um, and what worries me is that 
the left's communication strategy is as bad as the right's. They need each other to hate each other in order to fuel it. Um, and, and that's the biggest concern that I've got right now. Oh wow, that's a that's a serious end to uh, to turn the chat in, into the chat. I know, though, right? You know, God. God. See, my fault for asking it. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, John, an absolute pleasure uh, to speak with you today. Uh, really great, uh, um, you know, sort of uh, get that sort of insight um, from you, and and really appreciate your time. Where can people um, stalk you on the social networks uh, to 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 get more uh, John Brown? Oh God! Um, I mean, if you do, oh, what, what a dreadful thought. There's, there's, there's already seventeen and a half stone of me, anyway, so I don't need any more John Brown. Uh, <laughs> I'm at Brown Bear on Twitter. That's Brown Bear as in bear naked ass, rather than bear as in the grizzly. Um, so yeah, at Brown Bear on Twitter. I, I kind of usually found there ranting or or, or 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 chatting away, or like at Don't Cry Wolf um, for for some more measured, sensible. <laughs> and important content that's amazing excellent john thank you very much again um and hopefully we'll get you back in the pod um at a future date and we can uh, we can chat more on uh, don't cry wolf's trajectory and, uh, and your take on government comm strategy oh wonderful adam john it's been an absolute pleasure folks thank you so much thank you go do some parenting <laughs> i will <laughs> All right. I've managed. I've managed to miss bedtime, so I'm quite pleased. <laughs> I did it just beforehand. Actually, I was expecting them to come screaming into here, but no, they've been good. So uh, last episode, um, you know, we we we, we announced that we were going to be uh, talking about crisis communications, and we asked our listeners, Adam, that uh, you know we invited them to share with us stories about um, a crisis that they've managed and any sort of tips. Uh, that they have around crisis comms. Uh, Anne Scott at Genesis PR Anne uh, tweeted, my tip would be to not panic. It's natural to want to rush a response to quench the thirst of journalists, but an incorrect statement could be more damaging. That's a really good tip there from Anne. And Jennifer Sanchez uh, as well. So Jennifer is at, um, let me see here. So uh, International PR Analysis Solutions at Measure PR. Um, she says, uh, for your crisis response, ask yourself, what are my key messages? How is this interesting to my audience? Will my audience believe me and act according to the answers? I mean, absolutely great points there. So, um, yeah, crisis comms, I think, is going to prove to be somewhat of a, of a, of a theme for this season um, as uh, as the current situation uh, progresses. I think John's, um, you know, um, take on the current um, strategy from government um, was really fascinating and, and you know, well, it painted a picture of everything being rather sinister. And, you know, I think that's a question that, that we have to um, all ask ourselves is, is the sort of honesty in communications in general, um, because it appears that our, our, our political leadership isn't necessarily being as honest and transparent as, as we, we need them to be during difficult times. I think it's wonderful. John's mantra is sort of PR without the bullshit. And I think that applies to, to, to so much of what we're seeing at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you, are, I, I, I think this is going to have to be the most... Well, I don't know about you, but I don't have the time to go through that incredible interview with... Uh, John, and it would actually it would actually counter, I think, everything that he stands for, and that honesty and transparency, to actually drop um, some um, some some beeps and 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 cover over um, some of the some of the swears. No, I think we should just do a little warning at the beginning that there might be some uh, adult profanities in the in the pod. 
Well, here's the thing, is that um, obviously if, if you're listening to this, you already know that at the start of the pod, we did in fact put out a warning on that. So it's a bit of a Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure thing as well just going on there. Yeah, I mean, really, really interesting there. Um, but, you know, you know, listeners, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on John's um, attitude towards, um, you know, Creating a brand agency, as he said, "Don't cry wolf." Not not a Marcoms agency, not a not a PR agency or uh, you know content marketing agency or anything like that. Very much building a brand um, around that sort of honesty and transparency and and offering an agility that perhaps the industry as a, as a whole doesn't tend to uh, to tend to have. Uh, let's know your thoughts on on how important agility is in the current environment or for the industry as a whole uh, as well. Um, one of the interesting points that John raised in his interview was this idea about um, the validity of uh, or credibility of awards. And I thought it was it was very good of him to be honest about the fact that obviously he's pleased that he's won some, but he does question the, the value of them. I think it's going to be really interesting this year as we look at the 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 awards landscape within within the PR area. Obviously, there are some businesses who are doing incredible work. Um, during this time, there are businesses like yourself, John, in terms of uh, gaming and entertainment that that haven't stopped. In fact, they've they've grown and, and seen new opportunities. So it's never wrong. been busier. Honest to God, <laughs> it's wrong to assume that all PR has stopped, um, all media relations has ceased. Unless you've got something interesting to talk about for Corona, then then it's a write off. But equally, um, it's it's quite a challenge for awards um, this year. So so do awards ceremonies go ahead? No, of course they can't. Do they go virtually? Yeah, that's interesting. But is it are they going to get the same level of applicants? And therefore, is the quality and criteria for awarding award winning work going to going to be there? Is there going to be the volume of campaigns as we enter the second half of this year, where many clients and and in house teams will see budgets being cut? Does that force them to be more creative or does that force them to stop? I think it will be interesting as we look to the future as to what what people will hold up as examples of, of great comms throughout this year. Well, I think for me, I mean, putting the, uh, the uh, question of award ceremonies to one side, you're talking there about seeing budget cuts, uh, you know, perhaps a head, uh, head count cut um, or, or, you know, um, cutting loose agency support if you're in-house. Um I think there'll be questions about PR, um, you know, and its and its place and its and its um, uh, validity almost. You know, what 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 does PR bring to business? How do we measure that convincing C-suite that it's a, you know, a worthwhile discipline to maintain in-house or maintain um, agency support um, with? Um, and I think therefore we need to um, show that as John does um, through Don't Cry Wolf. Um, exactly how PR makes a difference, how Marcoms makes a difference, um, you know, and and show our our value and worth. And I think you know, obviously, AVE was something that was held and heralded for for many years. It's obviously, thankfully, you know, dying a death and has died a death. But we need something to replace that. And and you know, obviously, um, John says about emotional impact um, for the uh, the end user or the end audience. Um, you know, it's things like seeing social engagement. It is showing, um, you know, and, and, and lining up different channels from single publications, for instance, and, and showing how engagement changes de- depending on the channel that's used. It's, you know, balancing the use of influencers. I still question, you know, obviously, I, you know, I'm in a, uh, a very fast moving 
uh, forward-thinking industry where you know influencers are incredibly uh, important. I don't know whether um, they have been um, as important or seen as important uh, in, in other sectors, but I'd be intrigued to see how that develops over the next sort of couple of years as, um, you know, if, if people aren't reading newspapers, we're hearing with newspaper circulation um, falling through the floor. You know, where are people consuming their media? Um, you know, how are they consuming it? Does that mean then that PRs need to be more agile in and creative and more bespoke in choosing the channels in which or through which they deliver their key messages for their companies or their clients? Yeah, really, really... Um really valuable points and I think it's it's just going to be this constant evolution isn't it I think people just need to be really aware of of how they can change how they can evolve and how they can take on new practices to be able to to remain relevant I think it's it's, it's really important well I think that's the question we could put out to, to, to listeners and we'll put it out on our Twitter um you know over the over the course of the next uh, next few days is how are you adapting how are you proving yourself to be agile in quite frankly an environment that could prove to be a catalyst in so many ways for significant upheaval and change in positive and negative ways for our industry and the sectors in which we work this is great. Uh, but friend of the pod, Adam Driver. Hello to uh, to Adam Driver. Um, uh, and oh, do you know what we didn't say to Mr. Brown as well? Adam's got a man crush on him. Should we say man crush? Actually, I'm not going to say that. As a gay guy, I shouldn't be saying man crush. It sounds ridiculous. But um, he is a hero of Adam's. I think I think it's important and healthy to have uh, industry-related heroes. But, but is the mantra true that you should never meet your heroes? Oh, that is true. Well, anyway, Mr. Driver... Um, did leave a review uh, in between uh, during our hiatus um, uh, in, uh, in in summer last year, nearly a year ago, in fact. My goodness, we really should have got back on, on, onto Series 2 sooner. Uh, but um, bless him, uh, 10th of August 2019. So this is why people don't leave comments. We're too slow reading them out. So, um, so Adam says uh, great interviews and uh, engaging something or other because uh, it's cut it off um, but a top-notch podcast from two respected industry comms folk i think he's mistaken us for somebody else with a wealth of experience and plenty of contacts you feel like you're sat at the table with them talking about all things comms engaging entertaining honest and finger on the pulse of what's happening in our worlds with top guests to boot well worth a listen oh he's a sweetheart isn't he what a lovely comment. That's lovely, isn't it? So if you want to be read out um, on, on the podcast, uh, do leave us a comment on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, we're on Spotify and a whole host of others as well. Um, also tweet at us at PR Hub or you can tweet, us at, tweet at us individually um, at John Wilcox underscore and at Adam Tuckwell. Uh, we'll be back very soon uh, with another rip-roaring episode. Uh, who knows who the guests will be? We're chasing up a few people at the moment. I'm sure it'll be equally as exciting as, as today's episode. Um, but in the meantime... Um, we'll, know, we'll know who the guest is. Oh, we'll know who the guest is, yeah, but we won't say. You know, spoilers. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, on the PR Hub podcast and until next time, take care. Adam chooses not to say goodbye. <laughs> well, now I'm holding out. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>